Welcome to the Get Out and Try podcast. I'm your host, Katie Axel. This episode is sponsored by First State Bank and Trust. Hi, this is Jason Howard, president of First State Bank and Trust. We understand that switching banks can be a lot of work, and that's why we're here to help. With our tools, you can transition your accounts at your own pace, on your own schedule, and start banking local. We believe the more you can do in one place, the more you can achieve. Contact us today to start the switch. First State Bank and Trust. Achieve more together in Bayport, Oak Park Heights, Stillwater, Hudson, and online at fsbt.com. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. We're picking up where we left off last week with Don and Carrie from Eagle Eye Farm in River Falls, Wisconsin. If you missed last week's episode, be sure to check it out. That was part one of the interview where we talked about how Don and Carrie found themselves going from the medical industry into alpaca farming. Now, I did mention something important at the beginning of that episode that I want to say once more for this episode. I upgraded my podcasting equipment, which is exciting, but I'm still learning some stuff. So fair warning. I had some hard lessons learned with the audio in this interview. Editing was about double the normal time. Totally my fault. Some lessons learned. It may sound a bit wonky at times. I hope that you barely notice it. But if you do, please give me some grace as I'm learning this new equipment. It's only going to get better. This week's episode is part two, where we learn more about the farm itself, as well as events and camps and even alpaca yoga that you can get out and try. Check it out. You've got an impressive operation going here. So if you were on vacation sitting next to someone that you didn't know and they said, what do you do for a living? What would you say? Uh, what's vacation? <laughs> I said At first, every time I would, like when we moved down here and I'd go to a doctor's appointment or something like that and you always put on, you know, your employer. What what, what do you do? I always, I was, in the beginning, I was putting retired, retired, retired. Yeah. You're not retired. I know. <laughs> and Carrie kept telling me, you know, you need to stop doing that because you're really not retired. So now I just put alpaca farmer. Okay. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it's a great conversation piece to start things up. You know, when people yeah. find out, you know, what do you do? Sometimes I'll say, I'm a farmer. Oh, you're a crop farmer. No, I'm an alpaca farmer. A what? You know, and then the conversation goes from there. Because some folks don't even know what alpacas are. Right. What's the difference between an alpaca and a llama? Size, mainly. So they're all in the same family. The camel, they're South American camels. So they're in the camelid family, along with the guanaco and the vicuña, which are still considered wild. Llamas and alpacas are all considered to be domesticated. Llamas are much larger. So you saw Taz when you came in. He's one of our resident llamas. Taz and those other two boys in that pen, they're the same age. And so an alpaca male may get to be about 200 pounds, but a llama male can be close to 400. So Taz is at about 375, and he's not even three years old yet. They have a longer nose, longer snout, uh, more erect banana ear. And I find that their personality is a little different, too. Llamas are more guardians. So a lot of folks will keep them in their sheep flocks and things like that, too kind of protect the animals from wildlife. They're very alert. You saw he was looking at the fence when you pulled up. He's He sees everybody that comes on the farm, and he's always checking everybody out. So he's a pretty cool guy. I like Taz a lot. How many animals total do you have on the farm? Right now, we have 96. And let's go through the numbers by which kind of animal. Oh, wow. Okay, she's going to check <laughs> so, your math. Yeah, yes. don't no, check I'm my not. math on the <laughs> Because the alpacas, especially, they're always in a state of flux because, you know, you may be birthing and have some, you know, we purchase new ones. You're always trying to change up your genetics. So we'll buy something and bring it in and then other animals get sold. So roughly 40 alpacas, two Suri llamas, 
we have four Cooney Cooney pigs from New Zealand. And those are pretty cool pigs. They're very social. They're like dogs, really. They're very cool. And then we also have an eclectic group of chickens, which I think we're at about 34 right now. 34 chickens. 34, 36. Some, somewhere in that neck of the woods. And then we have many Highland bulls. We have two of those. And then we have many Highland Hereford cows. We have two of those. So we're breeding those. And then we also have two mini Shetland ponies. And then we have nine sheep, two are baby doll sheep. And then we have uh, their Valet black nose sheep. So Valet black nose sheep are sheep that originate from the Valet region of Switzerland. And they have a very nice wool to them. They spin out a very pretty yarn. And plus, they're extremely social. But you cannot import sheep into the country. So you can import semen straws or embryos. So we took Gotland and Teeswater sheep and crossbred them with Valet, 100% Valet semen. And then you get 50% Valets and then 50% gave us 75 and 75 gave us 87.5. And so this year we'll be getting the 87.5s pregnant and they'll give us 93. So it's a breed up program is what it's considered. Got it. Are there any animals that you wouldn't bring onto the farm because they wouldn't interact well with the others? We try to pick animals that are hardy for the winters here. And we also try to pick animals that are very social because, you know, people, predominance of our touring is our business. And so we want animals that are going to interact with the public. And alpacas, those are kind of iffy. I mean, they look cute and cuddly, but they are prey animals when they lived in the wild. So it's their nature to move away from something that comes towards them because they always preyed upon anything that puts its nose to the ground as a prey animal. And so they kind of have these built-in sensors. You get too close to them and they just, you'll get so close and they just kind of step away from you just a little bit. Yeah. Um, It's like a teenager. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Pretty much. You're right. (laughs) Kids just want to go up to and cuddle with them. And they're not really like that. And that's, that's sometimes that's a little disappointing for them. But we do have some that have been very socialized and they're willing to accept pets and things like that. As far as the property goes, you have different fenced areas, you have different buildings. Talk me through how the property is set up. We keep all of our male alpacas on the uh, east side of the farm. And we keep all of our female alpacas on the west side of the farm. And they're separated by the large barn. So the boys have their own barn over there, which is across the drive, our female cows are over there as well. And then there is a pasture and then our male bulls are beyond the pasture in their their own fenced in area. So we always kind of keep a buffer between females and males because our breeding is very purposed. And so we don't want any accidents happening. Right. The pigs we put between a couple of the alpaca pens because pigs are monogastric. Alpacas are what we call pseudoruminants. So a true ruminant has a four compartment stomach. Okay. And a pseudoruminant has three which means they are prone to certain parasites, which we monitor for carefully. But monogastric pigs don't carry the same parasites as the pseudoruminant alpacas. And so I put them between pens. That way, one pen would get something. Mm-hmm. They can't transfer it to the adjacent pen. There's there's a pig buffer in between. Right. So you, you kind of got to think about that stuff when you're setting things up at the farm. Your medical background has to have helped you. Uh, a lot. Yes. Yes. And we have great vets. But you understand what the vets are talking about when they talk oh, yeah. about it. You yeah. can talk on a different level than someone else, I would imagine. We try to, but you know, we learn a lot from them too. And we're fortunate. We have Dr. Cassie and Dr. Freight from Pierce Veterinary over in Ellsworth that come out and they do a great job working with us. What I mean is we collaborate. When you have a large herd, you would literally go broke if you had the vet do everything you needed to do to these animals. When the birthing happens, are you handling all of that? 
Pretty much. We try to do most of our births unassisted, you know, that the animal takes care of it. But alpacas, when they first come out, they're very necky and leggy. It's like lots of legs and lots of neck going on there. So they're pretzeled up. I mean, alpacas aren't that big to start with. And every once in a while, you'll have what we call a dystocia, where the animal's not in proper position to deliver. So they should come out with their front feet and then and their nose first. And sometimes that doesn't always happen, or there's a leg stuck or something like that. So sometimes you do have to go in and kind of help them out with that. And especially in the spring, we typically have bigger babies in the spring. That happens a bit more frequently. Why bigger babies in the spring? Alpacas gestate for about 11 and a half months. So it's about 330 to 370 days. That's a huge window. It's not like sheep where it's 152 days and pretty much on day 152 or maybe 153, they pop that baby out. You know, there's a there's a lot of latitude in that. And what they learn to do, because alpacas generally would migrate to higher altitudes in the summertime to avoid the heat when they lived in South America. The females, through evolution, they learned to have their babies when it was warmer. And so a lot of times they would migrate down during the day. And so statistically between the hours of six and five is when they deliver most often between 10 and two. And so unlike a lot of livestock, they don't lick their babies clean. When the baby's born, that is one place we intervene because the biggest way you'll lose a baby is hypothermia. And it doesn't take it to be very cold for that to happen. So we'll towel them off and then we give it back to mom so mom mom can nurse and so forth. Interesting. Interesting that they don't lick them clean, unlike right. most other animals. Yeah, they don't. They don't we really. We don't know why. No, they just kind of sniff at them, but they don't really lick them. It's just not their behavior. Hmm. So that's one of the reasons they try to have them during the day, mm-hmm. so that their their possibility for survival yeah. is, is greater. Let's move into talking about all that you offer for the community around you, because you have a really amazing space for families to come. Oh, absolutely. It's even a great date day if you yeah. like animals. Yeah. No, I love adult <laughs> tours too. We love having the kids, but it's really fun sometimes when you get an adult tour because, you know, the question, the question level is different. But also seeing those kids just, they get so involved with the animals. I love seeing some little three-year-old just walk up to Taz, who's almost seven feet tall, completely unafraid. And he's got his feet in his hand, ready to feed big old Taz. And that's just so cool to see that. You know, he walks up and just sticks his hand up there and it's just like, here you go. So I think the kids love it too. And there's a variety of animals. If if alpacas are big, you know, too big for them, there's other things. We even have Angora bunnies. I forgot to tell you about that. We have oh, two Angora bunnies, so English we'll Angora. Is that in the 96 or are we adding? Yeah, no, that's in the, that's in the 96. <laughs> okay. But I always forget about them because they're in the room behind you there. We keep, okay. them, especially in the winter, we keep them in a in a climate controlled room. But we shear them too. So the name of our store is All Things Sheared. Okay. So if you can shear it and we can make yarn out of it, if we have it. Obviously, we don't use the cows. You can, but we don't use their fur. And the pigs, we don't use theirs either. It's pretty coarse. You could, I guess, to make brushes and things like that, but we don't We don't shave them down. Let's talk about the store in just a little bit. The tours start and end in what months? We tour year-round. You tour year-round? Yeah. Okay. We're open. Uh, so we tour Friday through Sunday. In the summer, depending on demand, sometimes we'll take that to Thursday through Sunday because there are times when it gets very busy and you know people want to get in. So we run, uh, on average, about seven tour groups a day. We try to keep the groups small so that everybody gets intimate time with all the animals. You know, we don't want to make it too big where you get in a pen and you, you don't get to really meet the animals. There are a few pens we don't go into. For instance, the bulls have horns, and so they'll meet them from the fence, but they're very, still very friendly bulls. 
just for safety. But yeah, we, we tour all year round. We have public tours and private tours. There is a charge for it. And, and everything we make goes back into the farm, helps feed the animals, take care of the animals, pay for staff, things like that. So there is a small charge for admission. You can book out the whole tour for a private tour, especially with COVID. We found that to be a popular choice for a lot of folks. And we can accommodate up to 12 people on that. That's included in the price of a private tour. And then beyond that, you just pay per head if you bring more people. But we kind of cap it out between 18 and 20 on a tour. If someone's listening to this and they're wanting to start this process, they're going to go to your website and walk me through booking the tour all the way up to end of the tour. What does that process look like? So if you go to eagleeyefarm.net, there is a tab that says farm tours. And there's a little description about farm tours and cost and things like that. And you can hit book now. It will take you to a calendar and you can pick what day, what time will work best for your group. The one issue we've had with that is some folks, there may be one ticket left, which means the tour sold out except for one ticket and they'll purchase it, but they want to bring 12 people, you know, so then we have to, we don't <laughs> want to do that. No, <laughs> and that's just, we want to make it a good experience for everybody. Plus we want, we're protective of the the animals. We don't want to stress them out bringing this large herd of people in to visit them. So that's one area we've had a little problem with the way our system is set up. So if there's only one ticket left, just it's, pick it's another. It's not buy one, get 11 free. Right. right? <laughs> just, just pick another time or another day that yeah. works for you. You have complete flexibility on that. Okay. You can, you can pick whatever time is available and what day is going to work best for your, for your schedule. For someone that is a little bit crowd phobic, this is perfect because it's not like a giant farm where you're going to have crowds of people no. walking around. No. You get time with the animals. Well, yes. And we try to stagger those on the busy days, Saturday and Sunday, and mainly in the summer. You know, little tip to everybody, if you want to come to a tour that's not as crowded, you come this time of the year, or as we're moving into spring, the tours aren't as crowded this time of year. You, you get more intimate time, and sometimes you wind up getting a private tour, and it's only your group because nobody else booked on that tour. Nice. So, little little tip. And you have feed along the way that... You can purchase a bag of feed to take with you. Some people want to feed, some people don't. The bag of feed, it's like two bucks with tax. It's pretty nominal. There are certain animals we won't feed. For instance, right now as we're preparing for shows, we don't feed the show alpacas. So there's a small group that are our current show string. We'll meet them, but we won't feed them because they're on a pretty strict nutritional regimen for their fleece, for show preparedness. When someone arrives with their group... How long are they generally here for? The tour takes about anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes. If you're on one of my tours, it's going to lean towards 90 minutes. I just kind of let people do their thing. I, I You know, it's it's hard. You, you kind of you have to gauge it, especially on a public tour as a tour guide. It's hard because you'll have people who are enjoying one type of animal and other people aren't so interested in that. And you kind of got to keep things moving along. But where we lose everybody is in the summertime when we get out into, we finally get to that point where we can get out into the pen with the babies, the new babies. Um, but they have to be over 30 days old before we can do that for immune system situations. Once we get to that point, then then we lose everybody because they just want to stay in that pen. Yeah, It's moms and babies. And I mean, what's cuter than that? So right. they all want to stay in there. And, you know, I'm a sucker for that. I just kind of let them, <laughs> let them go. And I'm like, oh, the other tour is coming. We got to move. <laughs> Let's go. Got to move along. So, yeah, the tour takes about anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes. Obviously, in the cold, we try to move it a little faster because by the time we get done, people people are pretty chilly. They check in in the store, and then when we're done, we go back in there, and it's nice and heated and warm, and, you know, you can look around, shop if you want to. Otherwise, it's free to go. Talk about the different items in your store. 
Uh, so lots of different items in the store. Most of it's from our farm. Mm-hmm. So obviously anything that can be knitted, hats, scarves, mittens, gloves, blankets, pillows. What am I missing? Sweaters, beautiful sweaters. One thing about alpaca is it borderlines cashmere as far as its micron. And then also how alpacas have to be kept. Most alpacas aren't kept in like these mass quantities of a thousand or something that you're just harvesting uh, fleece from. So it takes a lot of care. Alpaca's a little pricier than wool, but what you get from it is much nicer. So it's definitely worth the investment. Mm-hmm. And I say that because sweaters can get a little pricey, but but they're warm. They'll last a long, long time if you take care of them. But we also carry things from our other animals. We also have sheep wool, and we make some items from that. We have a lavender field. And so we make items from our lavender, and we have our own bees. We have uh, raw honey. We have creamed honey. We have honeycomb. And then we also make honey into some of our sheep's milk soap. Other ones we use some of our essential oils in, uh, lavender being one of them. We cart it with alpaca fleece, the soap. A lot of it is is stuff that's here. And Carrie's now branching out into candle making, beeswax candles and lip balm. And she's getting into all kinds of things. So that's fun. It's fun because the farm is always evolving. The animals are always evolving. And then what the offerings that we have in the store are always changing. Let's talk about camps because I know you mentioned that you do offer some camps coming up. We have three types of camps here. The first camp is a summer camp. That's for kids between the ages of 8 and 13. And it's a four-day camp. So it goes Monday through Thursday from 9 to 4. And the kids come for a week and they get to learn all about the animals. They get to spend significant time with each group of animals. They get to learn about where they came from, how best to care for them. They adopt an alpaca on the first day, and that's kind of their animal that they keep for the rest of the week. And they really get to know and love that animal. There's always crafts involved and lots of time with the animals, learning about them. And so that's a lot of fun for the kids. In fact, it was so much fun for the kids that some of their siblings were upset because they didn't get to come because they were too young. And so we created what we call Camper and Me. That's for kids that are too young to come to the regular summer camps, and they come with a parent or an adult. So it's an adult and child experience, and it's a single day here on the farm. And they also get to know the alpacas. They get to walk the alpacas, which is always super fun, and get to do some crafts. And at the end of the day, the kids are just so excited and have really enjoyed their experience here on the farm. And then we found that the adults were getting rather upset because they didn't have any special time on the farm by themselves. And so (laughs) we created Rancher for a Day. And so this is just simply adults that come for a day, spend the day on the farm, and get to kind of know the animals. They get to spend some time with Dawn. Obviously, she's very knowledgeable. So they get to spend time with Dawn and be with the animals, help with some of the chores. I think sometimes people get a little concerned about the amount of physical activity, It really is just tailored up to you. You help as much as you want to help. If you just kind of want to stand around and pet the alpacas all day, that's also okay. Right. So they've been sitting in front of their laptop for too many hours, and it's time to just go hug an alpaca. (laughs) Well, and by the end of the day, even the kids, we get them involved in chores. Okay. But we still have our chore crew doing it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's this kind of health, but it's, it's not like we're expecting you to load 300 bales of hay up into the barn for us. You know, it's it's pretty it's pretty lightweight, but it gives them a chance to get more hands-on. 
And it's it's amazing how well the kids take to all that. You're well, inspiring the next alpaca farmers. That's our goal. We want to keep, that was one of the main things of doing tours. I want to keep kids interested in agriculture. Yeah. You know, so much of it's on an iPad and computer nowadays. It's one thing to look at a picture of it. It's another thing to be able to get out and see it, touch it, smell it, feel it. You know, it's 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 a whole different thing. You You can't replicate that on electronic devices. We also do alpaca yoga. In the summertime, we do alpaca yoga. We have a great fitness instructor. Her name's Julie Lother. She's local to the area. And we vary the times. Last year, we were playing with the times quite a bit to see what was best for folks to do. It's usually on Saturday mornings. And then we were doing an alpaca yoga and wine event in the evenings. What you do is you go out into one of the pens. Sometimes we'll rotate the pens because we get people who come routinely. And so you want to kind of make it a different experience for them. Sometimes we'll be in the mom and baby pen. Sometimes we'll be over in the showgirl pen. We usually are on the turf, so it's it's nice. And we give them a bag of feed when they come in. And then Julie guides them through some basic yoga. And it's very basic yoga. Don't let that scare anybody away. If you ever wanted to try yoga, this is the time to do it. Because it's a lot more interacting with alpacas than yoga, let's just be honest. <laughs> you just get to say you did yoga. Yeah, you can get to. And, and there is yoga. You can do as much as you want, or you can sit on your mat and feed alpacas if that's what you want to do. But no, Julie's great. She's very inspirational. And then the alpacas are kind of meandering around while you're doing yoga and you're feeding them and you lay it on your mat, the feed, and they'll come over to your mat and stuff like that. So it's it's a fun time. I know of goat yoga mm-hmm. where they actually climb on your back. Yeah, the alpacas that's won't not do. Gonna happen. <laughs> no. They'll just come up and probably sniff you or let you pet them or eat out of your hand or things like that. And, you know, everybody's out there in weird positions. And so I think they're very curious about what's going on. Do you work with the UW system agriculturally at all? Yes, we do. And Carrie, Carrie's pretty hands-on with that. We have had a fair number of interns that have come through here. Right now we have somebody, her name is Helena, and she's helping us with our social media. And so she's with the university. She's a student there. We're trying to get more and more involved with the university. Because we feel like that's just a great opportunity. Last summer or last fall, somebody wanted to come take photography and she did an awesome job. She took some beautiful photos of her animals and made that her senior project. It was fun. So we got to go to their gala and see our animals being presented in photography form at this gala. Very cool. Quite a few of the kids we employ too. So a lot of our farmhand staff come from the university. What a great job. Most days, except when it's about negative 20. Right. Most days, <laughs> then but if that. you can get through those <laughs> other days, at least but, you're not sitting inside. And But, you know, that's one of the things, because the most common thing you'll hear people when they come through on a tour is, oh, my gosh, I wish we could have an alpaca. Our HOA won't allow it. You know, it's kind of like, well, you got to remember they're livestock animals. You can't have just one. They're herd animals. And two, it's seven days a week, 365 days a year. Yes. You know, it's not a pair of skis you can hang out for the winter and then come back to it next season. You, know, you got to take care of them every day. It doesn't matter if it's negative 20 or 105 degrees, you're, you're out there taking care of them. And back to our first portion of this where you said, what's vacation? So do are you able to take vacation? My vacations are predominantly alpaca shows. That's when I get off the farm. We go to alpaca shows. I mean, I could take vacations. Probably the type A in me doesn't allow it because... <laughs> I worry about what's happening at the farm when I'm not here. You're like, are we done yet? Can we go yeah, home? Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, I'd be laying on a beach and day two, I'm like, okay, that's enough. I'm ready to go back. So I do like I do like the routine of the day here on the farm. And I love being with my animals. And I'm always out. I am part of the crew. So I'm always out here with them doing all the chores. And I think that's the best way for me to know them, the animals. So on those days where everybody else is focused cleaning and 
picking up poo and all this stuff, you know, I'll be like, has she been laying around that much? Have you guys noticed that? She's laying around quite a bit, so we need to check her out, that kind of thing. So it, it keeps me in touch with the animals a lot. You guys are now signed up on getoutandtry.com, so hopefully all your events will be listed on there. And they can also find them on your website, which is? EagleEyeFarm.net. And where else can they find you on social media? We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Perfect. Are you on Twitter as well? We are on Twitter. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Pleasure having you. That wraps up this episode. Thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the podcast. That's one of those small ways that you can help support the podcast and help others to find it. Make sure you're also visiting getoutandtry.com often, keeping you connected to the calendar of fun and happenings in the St. Croix Valley area. Until next time, find some ways to connect with your community. Support those hardworking small businesses that host all the fun in the valley. Go, get out and try. <laughs>